All right. Uh, before we begin, I'd really like to apologize for the drop in audio because uh, Tushar and I are not really at our uh, usual stations. I don't think Sid is either. But welcome to episode 23.5, 24, I don't know anymore. Who's got again? I'm your host, Abin. I'm joined by all three of my co-hosts this time, even though we're in slightly different environments. Uh, so very quickly, we're going to make this episode extremely brief uh, and very to the point. So what we're doing on this week's episode is we're going to be discussing uh, the two semifinals that took place in the Euros. We'll also take a look towards the Euro final that features an English side for the first time ever, uh, 55 years since they were last featured in, a, in, an, in an international tournament. None of us were alive. Some of, I think our parents just about made it through the door at that point. Yeah, it's it, it, it's quite a, a strange experience, especially if you've been backing the national team like Akshay and I have these last 20 years. We'll also take a look at Uh, the Copa America finals, because that, again, is a very tasty fixture. Argentina take on uh, Brazil on Saturday night. It was a very interesting uh, penalty shootout that happened a couple of days ago. We'll try and discuss that um, as briefly as possible, just to keep the show moving. That being said, let's get on with the show. Da-da-da-da. Hello everyone. Hi. Hello, hello. Sexy How are you? What's up, Ben? Finally, you guys. Saw- Finally, in your lifetime, at least managed to see England qualify for the finals. Oh man, I I I want I want to like hold off on that for a bit. Uh, so <laughs> I want to talk about because I think once we start, we'll probably get carried away. So let's yeah. do our due diligence <laughs> and uh, let's talk. Let's about do. Italy. Let's let's talk about the Spain Italy game, which I thought was much more entertaining than the England Denmark game. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot more entertaining, and I think it. Uh, though there were not many shots on goal, I think it was a, a really good tactical game to watch from both teams. I, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah, I thought Spain deserved to win that game because yeah, Spain, Spain definitely, definitely deserved to win that game. Hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, they Spain were sacrificed. For sure. Yeah, they sacrificed. They sacrificed the striker to flood the midfield, and they completely dominated the game. Uh, and. Just that they didn't have somebody up front who could finish for them, and even though they did bring on Morata, who kind of <laughs> like scored one of the, in my opinion, one of the the slickest goals of the tournament, uh, because it's a one-two he plays with uh, Oyatabal, I think, and he's through on goal. Hey, no, 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 no. It wasn't with no. It was with Almo. Uh, Almo, uh, right? Almost, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, apologize, so, yeah, uh, Danny. Who Almo. I thought, who I thought was the man of the player. Uh, I mean, the player of the. Of that game, I thought Danny Olmo was the player of that match. Unfortunate that he he was the one who missed his penalty. Yeah, it's just like it was. It was really sad that he ended up missing his pen. It was a pretty bad yeah. pen, to be honest. But yeah, it Italy, for like for long periods in that game, looked completely out of control. And I feel uh, there's a chink in the armor, especially with the backline and Kinnatsola being uh, out for the tournament, possibly for the next five or six months anyway, um, because he tore his Achilles. Um, 
I, I feel there is like the, the weakness in Italy's backline was exposed because Bonucci and Tierney were being drawn out wide thanks to Spain's uh, pressing in midfield. Uh, Verratti and so I, I think the midfield three primarily is Verratti, Barella and uh, uh, Jorginho and they were and they were getting overwhelmed in midfield because Spain were doing a real number on them. It was unfortunate because it went to penalties because usually it's like it could swing either way. Uh, but in terms of like really getting into the mind, getting into the under the skin of the opposition's player, uh, opposition team, I loved what Kirani did. Like so, if, for those who haven't seen it, like go, I, I implore you go back and watch it. Kirani just before, uh, just before, the, I mean, during the coin toss, really. So during so during the coin toss of the penalty shootout, he grabs hold. He's in such high spirits. He grabs hold of Jordi Alba, like shakes his head. Tells it like I mean that's surely heads. That's not what, what do you think that is? And like he really fucks with Jordi Alba, and that kind of puts the entire Spanish team off. Uh, I mean it, it did start off with a missed penalty from from Italy, and then uh, Daniel Almo, as Sid rightly mentioned, blazes over the bar, and um, I think it's uh, more Morata. Like the fourth, so they usually say the fourth penalty is the high pressure penalty because if you miss that, it could go either. Like that puts a lot of pressure on your team and they gave the high pressure penalty to Morata which they really shouldn't have he should have gone either first or second uh, but unfortunately for him it like he went from hero to zero pretty damn quickly and Spain I feel like I, sometimes he's asking for the abuse <laughs> like yeah. he's going and taking um, but you see that whole game itself right uh, I feel like Spain were flooding the midfield as you said like Italy had this huge gap between the defense and the midfield, and Spain's forwards were just getting in those right channels, and like they were attacking. And it's all Enrique's setup. Like he set up amazingly well against Italy, but his forwards let him down. Like even when Morata missed, he was like he gave that "I'm not mad, I'm disappointed" look. <laughs> no, it's not not just that, right? Like you talk about this, that there was uh, in in the in the full 90, there's a moment where I'm not, I'm not sure if it was, uh, I think it was Ayatabal who made the run and he beats the offside trap and there's a ball that comes uh, in over the back line and he he misses his header because he mistimes the, the height of the ball. So now, if I'm Harry Kane, I'm just like, dude, like Gareth Southgate is probably looking at that, that and going, you know what? If you're on the end of that, I can put my house, my entire family tree on it, knowing you're going to put it in the back of the net. So there is a as much a, as good as Italy were, several chinks in the armor have been, have been exposed, so which may, which makes for a very interesting final because I thought they'd be this all-conquering side, and I still think they're this all-conquering side. Uh, but we'll have to see how that goes. But before we get to the final, let's quickly take a look at the other semi-final, the the historic semi-final, because oh my gosh. The English national side are in the final. You know, final, is, finally. Yeah, finally. I'm so excited for that. This is something I thought Once, I would never yeah. see in my lifetime. And, you know, given England's record in semi-finals, especially the way things started, I was pretty damn convinced the moment that Damsgaard free kick went in. And you can have uh, an argument about whether Pickford should have been, uh, you know, like better positioned. But the wall, so the Denmark wall ends up moving a foot forward which kind of obscures his vision and so he sees the ball very late and it's hit with so much power and such dip 
I think somebody probably a, a keeper, yeah, a keeper with with better wingspan gets to it. But Pickford and as he's lovingly referred to as as T Rex arms, just uh, <laughs> flaps it and he ends up in the back of the net. What a great goal by Damsgaard! Yeah, the credit to England keeper was going to get get to that. Uh, it was just hit with pure pace. And, I mean, uh, you just need a really tall, long keeper who mm-hmm. dived the right side, the right way. <laughs> ऑलरेडीड ग्लव Like it is official. Yeah. But did we yeah, decide that we uh, we are winning the prize for Golden Glove? Just asking. Yeah, I, I guess we Golden we, Glove. We didn't decide on anything for Golden Glove. We just made our picks. Master, I bought what we wanted by winning for Golden Glove. Well, you should have put a stake on it. <laughs> oh fuck off! Go back and listen to the podcast. There's something on there for sure. No, okay, it's not. Go, go back okay. and listen to it. Go it's back and listen. We uh, didn't put a stake. I don't think we put any the, stakes to it. Yeah, there was oh. there was a stake only. There was a stake only for the this oh. one. Uh, golden golden boot. Golden not boot. even golden boot. Who scored the highest amongst who we picked? That's a golden boot, no? Yeah, I mean, technically, oh, yeah. own goals will win the golden boot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> If you really have to think about it, own goals are winning the golden boot. But yeah, now back to the point. So, like England haven't conceded a goal in this tournament, and so it was scary to know that how I mean it was it was a little worry, worrisome as to how they would react to going behind in situations. And he spoke about this in last week's podcast, especially with the whole Tuchel incident where they conceded one in that game that a red card and the floodgates opened and ended up conceding five. That they went back to like shutting down defenses, like shutting down their defense over the next couple of games is another story. But given the uh, the number of games left in this tournament, it was a little uh, it, it was a scary proposition to to face. But props to it, props to the team, dude, because they defensively, I don't think there was a single issue. If there was an issue in that game, it was probably Jordan Pickford. His distribution. There were times he literally fucking threw it to the Danish national side. I was like, what are you doing? Like, why? Why are you uh, just clear it, man? If you're if you're so worried about. I mean, like, just get rid of the ball. What, like, what are you attempting to do here? But besides that, I think I thought the back four were immense in that game. Kyle Walker's yeah, recovery it, runs. Yeah. There was at no point when, like, the when the when the Danish side were were breaking, and if it was on Kyle Walker's side, at no point I was worried that they were going to be through on goal because Walker just makes up so much ground so quickly, and he was very assured, which is very which is. Not really something you'd associate with Kyle Walker's game, right? Uh, and then England get their equaliser about eight minutes or ten minutes after uh, Denmark go go ahead. Beautiful pass by Harry Kane splits the defence. Bukayo Saka has been making those runs up and down that wing defensively very good. Attacking uh, attacking wise, he he gets in behind defences, which is something uh, extremely like. I mean, I wouldn't say rare. I mean, he he makes those runs, and he 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 has an engine on him, which is excellent for someone playing that role. Gets in behind the defense, squares a ball to Sterling, and and Simon Kia notices the danger, tries to clear it, but ends up bundling it to his own net. It goes to one one, and then I think England had full control of that game. Like there was there was a no point where they felt where it felt like they were being threatened. 
maybe in the, in the opening stages of the, of the second half there was like a brief period where Denmark rallied but in the 70th minute Denmark started to gas out and they were just holding on for pens because i think in a penalty shootout you would bet on Kasper Schmeichel any day of the week i think he's possibly a very underrated keeper uh, some some could say his genetics because his dad himself was a phenomenal goalkeeper um but Denmark was just holding on for dear life and then there was this extremely controversial moment that happened in extra time so England get extra time and Raheem Sterling makes a run into the box and the moment he takes that right like he goes to the byline um you not not to the byline per se like just about like uh, he he cuts outward at that point i was like oh, this guy is going he's attempting to like win a pen and as soon as the bodies converged and he fell i was like yeah okay possibly there must have been contact enough for him to fall there was there was contact it was very minimal but i don't think it was a pen but i am not complaining particularly given the shit we have seen in international tournaments for for the last 20 to 30 years i can go back as far as i mean i wasn't probably like as clocked in when david beckham uh, was like goaded into kicking diego simeone there was obviously the, the rooney ronaldo incident from 2006 there's frank lampard's ghost goal and for the first time in an international tournament england were given the rub of the green and it's pissed a lot of people off but they were ended up i think it went to var obviously it it went to var var gave the pen and harry kane <laughs> okay so i mean before we we discuss the penalty incident whether it was a pen whether it was not a pen we have like gen, like for years put our houses on kane scoring pens because and i and i've spoken about this on last week's podcast about how Uh, Mourinho, Mourinho spoke about this. So he, he talks about Kane decides a week in advance where he's going to score the pen, and he practices putting the ball in the back of the net. This is possibly one of the worst penalties he's ever taken. But <laughs> luckily, Casper Schmeichel palms it out to him, and the ball comes back out, uh, rebounds back kindly to Kane, and he slots it in to one England uh, on their way to the finals. I think that was a penalty. It wasn't a stone wall penalty, but I think. Uh, there was enough contact for it to be adjudged a penalty especially at the second phase of the tackle not the first part but the second part it was definitely a penalty for me i don't think that was a dive there was contact uh, it was arg- it was arguable but yeah i thought it was a penalty yeah i completely agree like um so the only thing what i felt was var was really good this whole season mostly I think VAR could see it, but they couldn't overturn the on on field referee's decision, so they didn't, and uh, that's why he got away with it. Because um, Sterling wasn't going anywhere with that ball. He like yeah. he went to the byline, he cut back in. He couldn't pass to anybody. He didn't have a shot on goal. Nothing. He was just looking to see who will put his leg out. He'll go trip on it and get that pen. And hmm. it, it was clear as day daylight. Um, but it's in a way like. I mean, every team uses the dark arts. This is just the worst. This is like the Ava Kedavra of the dark arts that you use. <laughs> um, but um, fair play. I mean, fair play to them. Like Abin said, that it's always gone against them. The dark arts have always gone against them for once in their life. They've used it for their benefit. And uh, I always was getting the feeling that England is too nice a team to play against, like Italy. But uh, They have people like Sterling who can pull this stuff off. 
So I'm glad because the next game is going to be full of dark cards. I I I'm I'm expecting there's definitely going to be a red card. Uh, it's going to be like five or six yellows. It's going to be that kind of kind of a game. Yeah. So um, I think with regards to like especially after the goal, right? Like uh, in terms of like slowing down, England have always had issues with with controlling the ball, with with retaining the ball. The last ten minutes of of the second half of extra time, it was I have never seen an English team do that ever, and I have been watching England a while, a long while. It was just an exercise in, and 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 the funny thing is they have the players to do it right now, because if a Phil Foden comes on, and if a, a Mason Mount goes off, if you have Grealish, I mean he he brought Grealish on and then took him off for a de- defensive substitution. So what Southgate said was in in his post match, he says every time Denmark have gone back behind in a game, they chase in the game. They've switched to a four-two-four and thrown essentially five forwards ahead uh, in, mm. into the box. Yeah, so they're flooded so in numbers, right? Yeah, he also, so made, a, he also made an attacking uh, substitute. Yeah, so uh, what they did, what he did, was he ended up putting. He brought Gilish off, went to a back three slash back five, and controlled and stemmed that flow. Because they were the the Denmark team were running on fumes, right? And they just couldn't like it was as long as England had the ball, they weren't they were the press had gone. They they were they just couldn't get hold of possession very comfortably. I I would have been more comfortable if Sterling. There's that one instance where Sterling makes the run into the box, Trippier's on either side of him, and Foden's coming in at the back post. Mm. If it was if it was a Pep team, I don't think Sterling takes that shot. If Pep is like this. Uh, Sterling attempts the shot. If he squared it to uh, Foden, that would have been three-one. That would have been game set match because mm-hmm. I don't think Foden is missing from that uh, that easy an angle. So yeah, uh, England are through to the finals of the national tournament. And also before before we progress and talk about the final, I kind of want to like give some props to Calvin Phillips. Do you know the distance Calvin Phillips covered in that game? Must have been around forty kilometers. Oh, come on, you have died. He uh, he covered 15 kilometers oh. in the en- in the entire game, which is insane because the average footballer does about seven to eight per game, and if you're good, about 10, 10 maybe 10, 11, 15 kilometers in that game. He, he was really is, good. He's, he's an engine, so I'm I'm very interested to see how the the battle of the midfield is going to take place in the final. So, just uh, wanted to add a fun fact about uh, Pickford. And uh, he holds the record for the uh, only English keeper to with the most minutes of uh, keeping without a goal being conceded. Yeah. Um, so the last person to do that was Gordon Banks. Yep. And Gordon Banks conceded in the semi-final of the 1966 World Cup. And we all and know again, what happened. And now, and now he conceded. One thing that I wanted to add about the English defense, they still haven't conceded a goal from open play. So... I still think they they have been the best side defensively and their back four has been immense. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about the final. So Italy take on England on Sunday evening, night, depending on where you are. It's going to be a very interesting game. It's going to be a battle of, of tactics and, and in my and as Tushar rightly put it, an implementation of the dark arts. It depends on who is going to like control and stem the flow of the other team's attacks. So I'd love your opinions on how you see this game going, what you think the strengths and the weaknesses of either team are. I think it's England's game to lose. I think England clearly the better team. 
I, I mean, they should win that. I'm pretty confident they should win that. Unless Italy pulls something, uh, like, like I said, like put one, one goal in and waste some 30 minutes or half an hour somehow. Uh, pull that kind of a thing or, or just just do complete bullshit tackles to, to make sure like Sterling again don't get in. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, Southgate knows how to set up against Italy and Italy can't really change formation that much. Like they only have one or two formations that work. That whole Georgino distribution system, that's all they have. Like Otherwise, uh, they can't play all their players. So Italy don't have the flexibility to change or give a surprise to England. But England can always surprise and set up any way they want to. Um, having said that, I still think they might go for a 3-4-3. And hmm. uh, having Grealish is like a super sub. I mean, the last game he wasn't effective. But just having Grealish on your bench in itself is an amazing thing that I don't think most people realize. And... Yeah, English, the, the England have way better firepower and way more efficient on goal. Uh, like literally, England have gone through because of Sterling's one and one chance or half chances that that he gets. And um, Southgate really believes in Sterling, and Sterling's always delivered, which which is mm. amazing. Like I don't think Pep's tried that and he's not delivered. But uh, it's literally why, like even though Saka is the best player on on the pitch. He has to get subbed off because you can't sub off Kane, you can't sub off Sterling, you can't sub off Mason Mount because he, he has to play there. So you have to put Grealish in instead of Saka. Um, by the way, just how good is it to see Jack Grealish come off the bench, dude? I, I genuinely feel so much excitement seeing him play. Because every time he gets the ball, you have this feeling something is going to happen. And I have full faith, especially in that, in that Denmark game, there's, there's that one chance in the 90th or 95th minute where the ball comes in from the right. And Kane takes the ball off his fucking feet. Like, Grealish is, about, is winding up for a shot. And either it's going to be like, it's either going to be saved for a corner or it's going in the back of the net. Because Grealish is like, what? From, from that, from the edge of the box, he's pretty damn deadly. And I was like, I mean, I mean, obviously it's Harry Kane, right? Like the most lethal fucking striker left in the tournament. So, but you're just like, why did you do that? But I'm so excited to like have, to see a, a player of that caliber. Uh... In Jack Grealish, like that, the, the national side has, has longed for someone with that kind of talent. He's such and a creative player, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like a David Silva. Yes. He can take on eleven five players at a time if he wants to. He, he, and that creativity is just amazing to watch. Like that—that's what football is. That's what entertainment is. Yeah. Like you want to watch those players. Yeah, I always I'm very excited to see what he has in store for for the final game. So let's hope something happens. Yeah, I just wanted to add um, that Englanders have so much pace in their squad that they, when they go up against the Italian defense who are aging, it's just going to be pure pace, which will drive them in front and hopefully convert from one of the crosses, which either Saka or Sterling put in for team. I mean, that's a great segue into like you talking about the game. So, like, give us what you think is going to happen uh, with. In that team, where, where do you see it going? What do you see the issues being, and who do you think is going to win in the end? Yeah, I think I think England are taking it home, or mm. keeping it at home rather, because mm. of, you know the finals in Wembley and stuff. Uh, I think it's going to be a two-one win for England. Okay, and and as I was saying that the 
aging squad of aging defense of Italy will I think hurt them in that game. Hmm, okay, I'm I'm going to be the one to burst everyone's bubble. So we've spoken oh, about <laughs> no, we no because I just I like we've spoken about uh, like the England team not conceding for most of the tournament, and let's be brutally honest, the quality of opposition they've faced is not top top tier. The Italians have had to go through Spain and Belgium to get to where they are, and I feel that that has primed them for more of a battle. So there is definitely uh, that like that that team can be got at, but. they can be got at between the 65th to the 90th minute because that's when they kind of gas out and usually by that time they have a lead to protect and they are, as we mentioned they are excellent at um and at the dark arts between the 0 to the 65th minute they are an insane pressing unit they're so good and if you noticed every time pickford had the ball england tried to play out of the back if they play out the back uh using with the italian team especially with how they press so the italian team goes up with a 433 but it switches to a 325 um which is where kelini uh bonucci and um i forget the i forget the right back the right back form a back three uh, uh, verratti and jorginho sit um barella makes a makes those box to box runs kiesa and um insigne hold the line and i think it's um, one of Uh, I think Emerson is will probably be the left back for the sort he, he he's playing yeah. the Spinazzola role. So uh so he he and um I think Chiesa will hold the width which means uh Barella Insigne and um Immobile or depends on uh, who who else they bring up Pessina I think is the other guy. Uh will flood the box and cause overloads. Now Maguire I'm is usually press assistant so he's good. Walker I'm not so sure neither am I sure of John Stones because they are the ones ultimately like chilling they, they don't get pressed very often Maguire was is signed was signed as a press assistant defender and even he has a mistake in him which we've seen multiple times and I'm not, I haven't even gotten to Jordan Pickford who's every time he's got the ball and England have give the ball to Pickford a lot uh the the Danish team tried to press him and he and he fucked up he made mistakes I don't see the english team getting away with it because there is like a designated howler that comes with each international tournament and it hasn't come yet um so i just feel in terms of quality at, le- at least in for the first 45 to 50 minutes because england take time in controlling games they press for the first 10 drop off uh, le- and try and stem the flow of the opposition's attacks and just the italian team are too cohesive a unit to not take advantage in those points I mean there are a few things like I agree with you like so Pickford's only had like nine shots against him hmm in the whole tournament and of those nine at least seven were not threatening at all only two were threatening in total hmm. so when you when everyone's like Pickford for Everton and Pickford versus England no it's the back four doing a great job to make sure that <clears throat> he doesn't have to do those crazy saves and he he has almost messed up a lot of times In, in in the last few games there have been moments where he's almost lost the ball or he's almost given away a goal uh that that is there but i think if the back four hold and they do good and i think here declan rice is the key like if he mm. if they play him he's very press resistant he's amazingly press resistant and yeah. as long as they use him to do the distribution 
they'll be fine and they have a back four cover they'll be good england will be mm-hmm. good to go uh but i i know as per tradition there has not been an england mess up or mistake yet that is that is the one thing that i'm a little bit scared of like it's literally parampara for england to mess up <laughs> tournament <laughs> right um and that could happen i mean italy could also mess up like it it depends but we we've just been traditionally used to england doing that one or two mess up that that completely like drop their hopes in any tournament um yeah that's that's the scary part but we never that's, seen them do that in a final so hopefully we will never see that happen. we've never seen them in a final exactly yeah we've never so seen they, them so in a final right screw up uh, so they've the used up their quota of luck till now i hope it continues <laughs> uh, that's that's the only thing uh, i don't see italy like england are man to man way better team than italy okay and even as formation pressing style coming back together for defense uh, overloading for, for attack they they just seem more fluid a better a better team in all the basic stuff than italy so um, I'll, I'll, i'll tell you italy what, will depend on moments of brilliance i feel no i feel like italy will try and hit them on the counter they're very good at like winning the ball high at the field and like hitting them in transition so what what i expect england to do in an ideal world is to like completely kill the flow of the game and gas that team out by the 60th and 70th minute i think england go to a, go to a back three in this game i think trippier comes back i think uh, saka and saka is going to play as no i, I feel it's, it's going to be walker uh, walker stones maguire shaw trippier uh, phillips um uh, nice. philips nice. rice that's yeah 3 4 3 right and uh, possibly saka sterling and kane that's i assume those are the are going to be the three or if he goes to a four it's going to be the back four that stay that is stones maguire shaw walker uh, with um, philips rice and mount because i think mount is essential to this team because if mount presses george presses the hell out of george you know there is a chance that um england will catch them in transition i think jorginho is very is key to this they philips and and rice have to smother the midfield the midfield is where this game is going to be won but i don't think that's going to and by the time they figure it out i feel the italians will already have an advantage and i and they're the best team dude they have they haven't lost in 33 games <laughs> they are dating back to 2018 like they are the favorites obviously wembley is a big factor 80000 fans i think or 60000 plus fans are going to be in the stadium the atmosphere on my fucking laptop screen was immense yeah. uh, for the semi final i have never heard something like that ever and i followed and i watched scott mcdonnell put a i mean put a long range in the back of the net just before lockdown hit against manchester city so it's we have all these factors and it's very like it's 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 on a nice edge right so the, which is why it's causing so much unpredictability but i feel the italians still somehow take it because i look back at last time's final in 2016 it was in france it paris for the home um, france for the home team but portugal ultimately ended up coming out winners i i think back to bayern munich versus chelsea in 2012 it was at bayern munich's home ground and chelsea went there and and drogba rose in the 88th 88th minute 
took them to pens and won it on pens. Home advantage is great, but I'm not quite sure it's going to do much for England, especially with how fragile the back four can be at certain points. Just wanted to add that uh, Chiellini, after England's win uh, against Denmark, said that they had to go through because it was home home ground, you know. And he alluded to the fact that they might have a chance of winning the game because of home home ground. So let's see how, is, how that plays it's, out. It's mind game. So I think if England are to get Italy, uh, Sterling, if he runs past Chiellini, he runs between the lines through Bonucci and Chiellini, that that is a, a death sentence for for the Italian defense. I think if yeah. I think if that first ten minutes, hmm. like uh, how they did in the Ukraine game, if uh, it, England can go up, it's over. It's over for Italy. I I, I oh. think yeah, that depends. But I, I don't see that happening I, because I think Kalini and Bonucci will will smother Kane the way the Danish team did. Um, I don't think Kane's had a great tournament, even though he's had like. He's on four. Yeah, goals I don't think he has either. Like he yeah. somehow looks tired in every every game, and he's not able to run. And he's but you can't drop him, right? Like because yeah, yeah, you can't drop Kane. I mean, he's still the the big big man. So he's 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 still the confidence guy, right? Yeah, pulling the team together, uh, and he's the only senior senior player in that game in that whole team with Sterling. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everyone else is young. Like they're new, they're completely new. This is probably their first or second international tournament. Um, I just feel. I mean, England have a lot more in the Arsenal to like uh, to get to play this game. I think the they have two starting levels. I, yeah, I would argue. I think they have an answer for every situation on their bench. That no other team has. Yeah, but um, I mean, let's like in the interest of time, let's wrap this up. So predictions, like let's go score predictions. I just think England have a little bit more of a firepower, and uh, the defense has also been rock solid this tournament. Uh, considering that they haven't conceded a goal from open play, so yeah, my prediction would be a narrow win for England, maybe one nil England. Hopefully, Harry Kane scores the winner. And wins Dodge and me a nice, well-deserved dinner. As I said earlier, two-one to England. Uh, goal scorers? I uh, I don't know. Maybe Sterling and Kane, because Sterling Sterling's always going to be at the right spot at the right time. Hopefully, and this game as well. And for Italy? And I think Italy Immobile is going to get it for them. Probably an equalizer for for that. I'm getting a three-zero England in my head. Wow! (laughs) (laughs) I'm just getting it. Um, I think maybe Kane, Sterling, and Grealish are one of those something like that. I'm I'm just getting a feeling that this is this is the game that England take, um, and they might take it early. No. And I'm trusting instinct because last game I said 2 1, it was 2 1. What about you, Apin? I think this game goes to extra time. Um, I think it's going to be a 1 1. Mm. Two extra time. I think Italy will take the lead. Um, I think Kiesa will beat the offside trap. 
and we'll make a fool out of one of the back four possibly uh possibly walker or like a maguire and obviously pickford but he's not really he's part of the five anyway i i think sterling will um now say sterling i i think hmm, i think grealish comes on and he gets the goal that equalizes the game but i think the italians take it to extra time because they realize they, and they take it on pens i just feel Mm. Uh, the, it gets to pens i think the italians have less pressure on them i think the english team because it's at home in front of a home crowd in a final and their record in penalties is not the best i think bauer donnarumma is a great keeper uh, i feel it goes to 1-1 to pens and the italians win fair enough fair enough and it's and it's not and it's not like a decision that i mean it's they are the best team and if england as good as they've been the italians deserve to win it and i feel they uh, will rightfully win the orders props to the english team i feel i'm, I'm excited to see them at the world cup next year but um <laughs> fine reverse psychology shit for sure hey, do back to that <laughs> i am not back to back reverse. since the ukraine game has been reverse psychology uh, but let's see let, I, i i'm saying i i hope it works for you like it'd yeah, be great if it works it for you right? <laughs> yeah I'm not even talking about reverse psychology i'm just extremely pessimistic as an england fan because i feel They're, yeah, they're coming know, against but it's okay. Have team. a little faith. <laughs> Pull a George Michael. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> okay, before yeah. we end this podcast, let's quickly talk about Argentina versus Brazil. Huge game, like the like Battle possibly of the Giants. The, yeah. yeah, dude. Giants of the the South America. Messi, Messi versus and, and Neymar. the players, right? Yeah, Messi yeah. versus Neymar. We haven't got to see Messi versus Neymar like in a long time, and. This will be great to watch. Yeah, I, I, this is Messi's last great chance to win a big tournament. Thirty-four. I think he younger. actually retires this time if he doesn't win because he'll be like enough. Like I can't carry this weight anymore. You guys need. <laughs> and But I think that game is gonna have so much flair in it. Like, this is going to be like a great game to just watch in terms of footballing skill and talent. Like Brazil and Argentina play with so much flair. Like unlike the Euros, which is like slide tackling, physical football, those guys are just flair and aerial ball merchants. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm excited. Is a lot of fun to watch. I, I think the, the again, once again, I think in this game as well, the midfield battle is going to be quite important. And for those of you who've been following the Copa America, Fred has been having an insane tournament. Like he's been so good for oh, Brazil. Yeah, he, he has, he has. And he, I and wonder if we get an Aguero. <laughs> is final. he playing though? I don't think is he playing. He comes though? on as a sub. He no. comes on as a super sub, not really super. He didn't really do much, but that's why they were trying to use him as. But I think he started the last previous game. Do you think Messi oh, wins I, this? No, no. Sorry, yeah, I got that wrong. I, I think Messi wins this. It's just, I I think it's one of those years where. He's just had a shit year, and with all the drama, he he needs a win. And uh, I I don't know if Messi wins this, maybe even Ballon d'Or. <laughs> no, no give him the Lewandowski. I mean, yeah, it's always easy for FIFA to just give it to Ronaldo or Messi, right? Like here, one of you take it. <laughs> give it to Lewandowski. That's just cruel. But yeah, yeah without, I think without a doubt, goes to Lewandowski. I think Brazil are winning this too. I just I generally feel I think they have a better team. Yeah, I Brazil think Brazil have a better team, but I, I just feel like Argentina, uh, just because of the pressure back home and everything they've been in, they somehow pull through this one, even if it's on penalties. 
I for one believe that Brazil are going to be the champions this year as well and Argentina will be the eternal bridesmaid that they are I think this would be the fourth tournament that they'd be filling, uh, finishing runners up and uh, yeah Brazil for me yeah, and I think uh, Argentina here they rely on one guy whereas Brazil have so many options and they don't really rely on Neymar to pull them through they have yeah absolutely to, they don't need like even if Neymar doesn't play there's still a strong team to beat Argentina of but course. Argentina without Messi no chance they don't even have a chance in hell yeah. uh, I mean, but okay let's wrap I this think, up yeah let's, let's, let's put an end to this yeah. episode Thanks everyone for joining. Uh, I hope uh, we. I think we'll do a. We are doing a watch along for the final, at least for the Euro final. Not so sure about the Copa America because it's a 5:30 a.m. kickoff, and I don't trust anyone to wake up at 5:30 on a Sunday. Yeah, not just sure. given given how our, our last three months have been. So take care. We'll see you uh, after whatever happens in the final on uh, on 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 Sunday. There will be a new episode out on Tuesday where we'll go. We'll delve deeper into the Barcelona situation and what's happening there because <laughs> they, those guys are fucked. Especially with what's come out with Griezmann and Dembele recently. Yeah, so that, I mean, that, that's, yeah. They're, they're, they're depending on Messi to reduce his wages and so that they can yeah. sign the players that they've already signed. No, like, they can't sign the players. Memphis has also agreed for a pickup, if I'm not wrong. No, yeah, but they have to get it by 200 million or some insane figure. So yeah. the only way is if Messi cuts half or something. And I don't know, dude. Like Messi can't bail them out on the field in their finances. Fucking Messi is not some bailout machine. Like it's just also, also uh, Griezmann and Dembele have been accused of racism in a video that's popped up where they're being extremely racist mm. to uh, to to some people in Japan and like problematically racist. So mm. I, I feel I mean the timing of the video, it, it's it's a video from 2019. So the timing of the leak is a little like strange, yeah. but uh, I ex- I don't it's expect to see Griezmann. Yeah, I don't expect especially because Barcelona has those noodle sponsors from Japan and all that. Yeah, no, uh, Rakuten is pissed off. Konami dropped uh, yeah. them as their club sponsor from Pez. It, it, it's a it's a whole clusterfuck. We'll talk about this and more on next week's episode. But for now, we'll call it. Uh, I hope all of you have a great weekend. This should be out Saturday. If you're listening to this, it's probably out on a Saturday. So take care. Uh, We'll see you soon. Cheers. Cheers.